Hello and welcome to Totem Talks. I am Helen Fruin. And I am Mark Smith. And today we are talking about being authentic. Or as I like to call it, Mark's second therapy session this week. And a can of Red Bull to boot. Uh, other energy drinks are available. Absolutely. I am flagging a little bit this afternoon, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you people. Needing more caffeine. Needing a lot more caffeine. Uh, yeah, authenticity, it's a big deal, let's be honest. And uh, as Helen just pointed out in the uh, the preamble to this podcast, um, authenticity can be quite a tricky one because you can act in line uh, with your values authentically, authentically, mm-hmm. authentically, authentically, um, and still be a complete tool whilst doing it. And this is the issue. Mm. So if you look up a lot of places about how to be authentic, and I think that would be the title of this podcast, How to Be Authentic, you will get a lot of guidance on tapping into your values. What are your values? What's important to you? Make sure you're acting in line with your values and then you are authentic. Well, I'm pretty sure that Adolf Hitler was acting in line with his values. Is is that what we would call authentic? Is that good? Is that what we want from our leaders? Exactly. So at what point did we say authenticity is it's just a red herring that you're chasing. So I wouldn't say it's a red herring. I would say that we need to be clear on the definition that yes, it is to be acting in line with your values and having, whether you call it integrity or, or congruence, there's a there's a commonality between what you say you believe in and what you do. Mm. And when you see that, and when you see that somebody is doing what they said and they're saying what they believe in and you see all of that, you go, yes, that person is authentically communicating. Mm-hmm. Great. Yep. So yes, all of that is important. And when people talk about wanting authentic leaders and we, you know, we want people we can trust, it's that piece, the trustworthiness, the honesty, the being ethically sound. Mm. It's both. And I, authentic as a word doesn't describe all of that. It's true. It's misleading. Yes. So if you are looking at how to be an authentic leader, mm-hmm. you've got to consider that it is about understanding your values and living a life in line with those. It's also got to be being trustworthy and having sound ethics. Oh, I don't know about that. Like you say, Adolf Hitler was an authentic leader. But not by any definition of what we would want from a leader. No, and that's where authenticity and the word authentic is not is not relevant. We also want our leaders to not be mass murderers. That's a whole different skill set. <laughs> um, and the word authentic doesn't come into it. Um, yeah. And I think this is why when I see books saying, you know, how to be authentic, I'm like, hmm. I mean, the reason why I started the show with the preamble of my next therapy session is because I do actually struggle with authenticity for myself um uh, the best example being um generosity so when i do a vision board and i look at my values and i get into all of that kind of meat and veg um i generosity is a really important word to me it's something i want to be um i have found over time that i am very generous indeed I'm not very generous in spirit. So I'm I have been called generous by a number of people. I'm very free flowing with money and time and all of these things. But when I do give you my money and my time and all of those things, I moan <laughs> so bad about it. I bitch and I fart and it's just all so it's just I'm not 
it's not a heart-led generosity, but it, but I am still generous. Uh, and again, when we talk about authenticity, you know, you said there that the word authentic doesn't sum it up. I agree that it doesn't sum it up, but we also need to acknowledge that it's the language people are using. So rather than just say authentic isn't good enough as a word, it is the language people are using. So let's look at how to be an authentic leader, which is both about being in line with your values and about being a good, trustworthy, ethically sound person. Okay. For you personally then, for you to be in line with your values and ethically sound, it sounds like you are. Because you've said that in terms of your values on your vision board, generosity is really important to you. Yeah. And then you've said in your actions, in your trustworthiness and what people see from you, Mm -hmm. you are being generous. So you're living in line with your values and your actions are showing that. Yeah. The issue is then your reaction after doing that. When you then feel like you've lost something or that someone hasn't appreciated you or it sounds like it's what happens after you've been generous that's the issue here. Possibly. Um, There is an expectation and there are uh, caveats to my generosity. So uh, is that in fact generosity? Mm. Um, It sounds more transactional to me. Mm. So that's that's fascinating. In terms of authenticity for leaders, so your definition, and we're going to run with it because I think you're right. It's um, it's widely accepted. It's not just you know do what you say, say what you do, um, but there is a level of of ethical and moral kind of uprightness associated with the word. In terms of the leaders or the potential leaders listening to this podcast, how do you start exploring your values? Hmm. Is the question I have. How okay. do you how do you know what's important to you yeah. in order for you to start living those ideals? Mm. So this is where Google is very, very helpful. If you Google values list, mm-hmm. there are just loads. You can go on Google Images, you'll find loads of them just on Google itself. There's loads. Lists of things that are important to a lot of people that you might relate to. Mm-hmm. Because a value is something that you value. When we say, Oh, well, what are your values? They are things that you value, not things like my car and my diamonds, but things in my life that are important to me. So when you think about things that are important in life, what are those things? And if no words immediately come to mind, then going and opening a values list on Google will just give you some inspiration. Mm -hmm. So you might go with words like family and security, growth, personal development, or you might be interested in words like Uh, financial success, wealth, competition, winning, drive. There might be different themes of what's important to you. Uh, You might be drawn to words that are more about nature and freedom and spirituality. So we're all different in terms of what we're driven by, what we we really value. And what can be so powerful is to take one of these values lists and just tick off everything that you think, yes, I'd like some of that, or I'd mm-hmm. like more of that in my life. Yeah. Yes, that's important to me. So you might have ticked, I don't know, 70, 17. Tick as many as you like. And then see if you can get your list down to 10. And then see if you can get your list down to five. Not mm. many people go much beyond that. Some people try and get down to three. Some people try and get down to one. You can give that a go. But even having your top five is a great starting point to say, well, if those are the five things that are most important to me in life... How does that mean I want to live my life? Yeah, I think from memory on my, my when I did my values list, uh, 
think I got it down to like maybe 10. Okay. But then within those 10, I found maybe four themes. So mm. um, I can't remember what they were now. I need mm. to go and have a look at my vision board. But yeah, I could group them into four themes. Mm. And so it, it became more of a, a sort of a generalization. Mm. This is a part of my life as a as a big word cloud, if you like, that mm -hmm. I want to, you know, work on and maintain. Um, yeah, I think there are a couple of different ways of doing it. So word lists are great. Um, pictures mm -hmm. often work a lot. You know, a lot of people are picture driven, which is great. I've also seen it done where someone's actually doodled it. They've drawn it for mm -hmm. themselves. Um, that, that creative process. A great way to do a vision board is to go through a load of magazines and see what pictures or words stand out for you in magazines mm -hmm. and then start putting those together, making a collage. So as you say, it's, it's not just a word list. You might do this by looking at those images, seeing what's important to you, maybe even drawing a picture, painting, just seeing what comes up for you. So yeah, absolutely. Google vision boarding, Google values, activities. You can find lots of ways to do this. And then, of course, you can start thinking about, well, now I've identified what those things are that are important to me. What does that mean about how I want to live my life? Yeah, and that's that's that can be quite challenging, frankly. Um, it, is, it is good. For, for me personally, I found a great deal of life satisfaction when I've managed to have roles, uh, either within work or, you know, in some of my other endeavours, that are matched to my values. Definitely. Um, so that's really good, but it's not possible for everybody to engineer that. Yeah. And it's always interesting to look at where is there a match? Mm. So for example, I mean, gosh, I've got a massive match, right? My values are about development and growth and learning. Look what I do for a living. Mm. Uh, so for some people, it's, it's really easy. If you find that your values list and your work don't really match, it might be a case of saying, well, how could it match? Mm -hmm. So if, for example, you're about personal development and growth, but you work in manufacturing and mm -hmm. you think, well, what? I'm not really personally developing in manufacturing. Well, if you became a team leader in manufacturing, then you're developing people. Yeah. Or how could you look at developing your skills where you are? Could you take a continuous improvement mindset to manufacturing and then you're bringing more of your value to your work. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of playing with how could I bring those values into what I'm doing. The other thing as you've described is to look at your other endeavors. For example, I had somebody on a workshop recently who nature was one of her most important values. Mm -hmm. And she worked in an engineering firm in an office in a very <laughs> sort of dark, dingy space. She was like, this has nothing to do with nature. There's not really any opportunity for me to look at nature as part of my role but she said what it's just done is made me realize how important my outside of work activities are mm. she helps out in a woodland reserve close to where she lives she's got wildlife things that she's doing and so what it did for her was actually kind of highlight i've got my work and my work enables me to do these other things that are even more important to me and so yeah however you look at where your values play in to your life as a whole yeah, to, uh, enabling, I think, is, yeah. is you know, sometimes, and we, we've, I do touch on this quite often, that sometimes a job is just a job. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're in the space where we want people to be the best that they can be in the workplace, and we always want them to develop and to, you know, grow and, and acquire new skills. But sometimes that's really inappropriate. And, um, and the job is enabling something and else. And the job enables something else. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truth. 
Yeah. It's an absolute truth of, of the world. And um, I think sometimes where I've seen people who use a job to enable them to do other things, um, they're sometimes more driven than people who are really comfortable and working to their values and skill sets and all these things because that outside mm. thing is is so enticing for them. It's so powerful. Um, there were a couple of examples of Olympians not mm. too far from us. Their day jobs yes. enable them to be Olympians. Yes. Uh, they don't have the resources to focus all the time. On their sport. On their sport. but yeah. So their job is a perfect... That's, that's a great example for me of, you know, there are companies who are employing Olympians and they know <laughs> those Olympians are going to work into, you know, nine to five and uh, then they're out because they've got other things to be doing. So there is that. I think there is a third question for me, but I'm not sure if it's a third question. It could be 2.5. Mm-hmm. That is, you've got your values list and you've got your actions list. The third one for me is, um, I was going to call it your gifting, but that's not the secular phrase, is it? Skills, strengths. Skills, strengths. Um if you can marry those three things together, so I, you, we've, there is a psychometric floating around in the world called the ODC. It taps into sort of your unconscious drivers and a very useful tool. I found that it really highlighted for me where my natural strengths are. Things I don't even think about, they're that natural to me. And the suggestion with the ODC or the ODC suggests is that you should focus your inte- your attention on developing what you're naturally very good at. Anything that you're not very good at or that costs you a lot of energy to do, just park it. Well, you've got to manage it so it doesn't have a negative impact. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, let's not make that the focus. Yeah. Make the focus the natural strength. So when you've got a natural strength, you've got a values list and you've got an environment where you can begin to marry those three things up. Um, I find that to be the reason that I work for Totem. And that's where you get, if you've seen those little Venn diagrams, we can put a link to one under the podcast, uh, little Venn diagrams of finding your purpose. Yeah. It's, you know, what do I love to do? What am I good at? What is somebody willing to pay me to do? Yeah. <laughs> what does the world need? Yeah, yeah. Right. If you, if you find an alignment between all of those things, then yeah, you found a, a job for life or as they say, you never have to work a day because mm. you found something you're so passionate about. And not everybody finds that. Again, as you say, some people will just have jobs because it's the thing outside of work that they love more. Yeah. But I would argue if we come back to this is authentic leadership, mm. if you are wanting to become a head of department, a business leader, a managing director, you're not going to be in the space of saying, oh, well, this is just a job because I'm passionate about something else outside. Mm. You've got to find that passion within what you are leading. Because if you're going to inspire people to go with you, that sense of purpose, that sense of direction is going to be really key. True. I mean, the question I would have there, though, with the leadership, and this could be just me, is that I, I want to say that there's an awful lot of ego wrapped up in the desire to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, certainly the modern day equivalent of leader. Uh, I think there's uh, the, you know, the servant leadership had a bit of a renaissance uh, in the maybe late 90s, early 2000s. But there, is, there does seem a lot of, um, you know, look at me, kind of wanting to be at the front, at the head, at the top, whatever it is. Um, does that inherently mean 
that there is a danger in the certainly in the way that we currently think of leadership that if someone's living authentically to their values those values are actually ego driven so we shouldn't be too surprised when someone at the top is an absolute tool <laughs> <laughs> an absolute tool of a human being yeah um because you know it's 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 their their inner voice that has driven them to be there yeah hmm patrick lencioni who you will have heard Legend. many times on this podcast. We talk about him with uh, his fantastic books, particularly Five Dysfunctions of a Team, yeah. How to Build Trust. Uh, he also has a book. Tablegroup.com. That's the one. Tablegroup.com. I'll uh, put a link he in below. also has a book called The Motive, which is very much questioning exactly what you're describing there, that if you are becoming a leader, if you are pushing to become MD of your business, what is your motive? Mm. Because if your motive is ego then that's not, again, if we come back to the definition of authentic as not just in line with your values, but also trustworthy, ethically yeah, sound. Yeah. If your motive is ego, you're not going to be trustworthy and ethically sound. It's all going to be about you getting to the top and leading from the front. Whereas as you talk about servant leadership or recognizing that my role as a leader is to take people with me, is to enable, is to head towards a purpose that is far bigger than me by myself. Mm -hmm. If you go with that motive imagine how much more inspiring that is to the people around you mm. imagine how much more you can achieve with that focus that's why i think as a massive generalization women should just be in charge <laughs> <laughs> and another link below to the video on why we should be more sexist yes <laughs> yes perfectly done um i've just noticed that the sun's coming out time um, for a motorbike I'm ride i'm so excited i haven't seen the sunshine for like five months um is that everything on authenticity? Have we got anything more, any more wisdom to drop on us? I guess we've talked about the practical side of the what are my values piece. Mm -hmm. If you then wanted to say, well, how do I become trustworthy? How do I know that I'm ethically sound? How do I know these things? You know, there isn't like a list of, of what to do to be trustworthy, what to do to be ethically sound. The starting point would be to look at your vulnerability side of things, to look at how am I building my self-awareness? Mm -hmm. How am I building my openness with others about who I am and what I stand for? Because the more you work on self-awareness, who am I? What do I stand for? And how do I come across to others? The more you work on that, the more you'll build trust with others and start to understand what they need from you. Because when I come to you and say, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm not sure about, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm not sure how to get there. What do you think? You trust me more. Because you trust me more, you open up to me. And when you open up to me, I find out what you need. Mm. And so if we start doing those things, that's how we can start building more of the trustworthy and honesty and vulnerability piece that's really going to help with authentic leadership. Mm. I think, I mean, I, I, in theory, I do agree with you. I think there's... I think there's a more interesting social question under this because I, I can think of two leaders, um, current and pre and, and and post. Um, their collective followers would say that the other one's not as authentic as the one that came before or, or, or came after, and that at that point you start to say, well, leadership isn't about being authentic it's about meeting the needs of the people who are following you is that not true there's certainly an element to that isn't there because if you're not if you're not taking people with you 
if you're not meeting the needs of your people, then how are you being a good leader? Mm. But the other thing for me would be about where are you going? Again, the motive question, what, what's the purpose? So if you're leading a business and the business purpose is to deliver X, well, then how are you focusing on delivering X whilst taking people mm. with you? If you just make it all about what are you delivering for your people and you lose focus on where we're going, mm. you can get a bit stuck. I think that may be interesting for, for me to reflect on, actually. The difference between authentic leadership within a corporation is different mm-hmm. to authentic leadership within a wider societal context. Right, absolutely. Because so you can't politics. Take, yeah, yeah, you can't right. take people with you in a democracy because there's always going to be left and right, absolutely. blue and red. You know, in a business, you, you've all hired to do a job, a specific function, and you're heading in, a different, in, in, in this direction. It's, it's much more akin to being in a, an army in that sense. Yeah. And a tribe. Um, yeah, where are yeah, we yeah. going? Where are we going? And what's fascinating yeah. is where you get an MD, a CEO, someone new come in and say, actually, I know you've all been hired to do this, but I'm going to change direction. Mm. And then you get the classic, well, you're either on the bus or off the bus and mm-hmm. all of that jazz. Um, so, yeah, I would very much focus on this in an organizational setting mm-hmm. rather than politics. Because yeah. as you say, in politics, you just can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not possible to say you're on the bus or you're off the bus because you're leading a country. I should have thought of that perhaps at the beginning of the podcast, but I always <laughs> like to get broader and, you know, more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it takes not? off on tangents. Yes. Sorry about that. We've got, I'm not sure what we're doing next week. I think we talked about fear of failure mm-hmm. and possibly doing something on perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Those two actually do sound like the same podcast in mm-hmm. my head, thinking about it, because one is the other and the other is the other. So Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week everybody fabulous. i mean fabulous i mean fabulous. you know I hope just the truly fabulous yeah i mean i just really hope that you a you figure out what your values are and you live authentically to them uh and uh we'll see you next time thank you